Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. It is Greeny here on ESPN Radio, along with Hembo, Evan Cohen, in for Greeny today. Normally you hear me with Chris Canty, Michelle Smallman, weekdays 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern Time here on ESPN Radio, part of Unsportsmanlike. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. I just want to point out one thing. Hembo, cool, hip, up-to-date, up-to-speed on everything in life. In our last break, simply said, I love Mel Ott. <laughs> and there was no there was no need to say it because we weren't talking about him. We've <laughs> talked about him twice today. Well, we've not talked about him. He has been mentioned twice today. But, Evan, there, there has never been a hitter whose swing was better suited for his home ballpark than Mel Ott's silky left-handed swing at the polo grounds. Of that, I can say for certain. What a legendary career playing for John McGraw. I would love to have seen him take some, some hacks over at Upper Manhattan in Coogan's Bluff. I'll tell you what. My goodness, did he have a good swing. Is he related to Tug or Tim McGraw, that John? John McGraw, the most legendary manager in the history of the National League? Uh, no, he's not. Dang. I love Mel Ott. So Mel I, I saw... Ott was born in 1909 and died in 1958. Yeah, his death was a tad premature, which was, which was super sad. But just an outrageously good ball player, who I thought you guys were going to guess for the trivia question today. Mm. I really did. I was uh, baiting you into it, at least. Anytime you think of Mel Ott, you have to think of the Bucks firing Adrian Griffin. Who among us? I mean, it's just the obvious <laughs> That's a phenomenal. That's just a tremendous transit. You're you're such a radio professional. I can't. At some point, I'm going to lose it with you. Oh my god, it's so funny. At this point, (laughs) I love Mel. (laughs) Just do you not look? Mad Dog Russo is here today, so that's why I've had. That's why I've had a good boy, Hambo. You know, a lot of people don't bring up Mel. A lot of people don't. You know, they they think of Mel Hall. Not a good player. Great player. Great player. That's a very good. That's like when Greeny texted him when we were debating if Nelly Fox or Chase Utley was a better second baseman, and Russo replied, that's a good one. <laughs> well, uh, you have Which to understand. It's totally not. You have to understand something. As somebody my whole life listening to Chris and then working for him for the last 12 years before coming over to, um, or working with him for him, whatever you want to say, before coming over here to ESPN, I speak Mad Dog, okay? Both mm. in imitation and I understand what he says. So when he says good boy, and taps you on the fanny, as he says, or that's a good one, what that actually means is, leave me alone. Really? Yes. So when, when Greeny was asking him about this second base discrepancy that we were having between Nellie Fox and Chase Utley, a heated conversation on the show, yeah. you're saying that he was telling Greeny to bleep off? In a roundabout way, I am telling you that. Yes. Really? Yeah. yeah, I'm telling you that. Well, Greeny did not take it that way. Well, uh, he should. <laughs> he should. Let's put a pin in that one. Yeah. It's a lot of pins that we're putting in things today. It seems like <laughs> I am getting prickly with all of these pins here. So the Eastern Conference in the NBA is a fascinating landscape right now because if we, we look at what's happened over the last 48 hours, we have Joel Embiid scoring 70 points in a game against the San Antonio Spurs to continue this dominant season that he's had for the potential of maybe winning his second MVP in a row. But games played matter this year. They did not last year. 65 games is the number that you have to reach in order to be Uh, eligible for the NBA postseason awards. In addition, you have the Milwaukee Bucks, who last night fired their head coach in Adrian Griffin after only 43 games. And per Adrian Wojnarowski, they are going after and trying to get Doc Rivers here. I think when we look at these teams here, and we go one by one, the Boston Celtics have to win a championship. They're too good at home. They're too good overall. They were in the finals a couple of years ago. They were in the Eastern Conference Finals last year, obviously. Lost Game 7. They have to win it all. Have to win it all. They made an addition, two additions this offseason, Drew Holiday and Kristaps Porzingis, that give them the best starting five, arguably, in the league. Their bench certainly can use some upgrades, I think. 
The 76ers are a team that has had an unbelievable start to the season. They have arguably the best player in the league this year, obviously, in Joel Embiid. But there is a question as to whether or not they are a championship or bust team because of the fact that we are looking at them and saying they have never been to a conference finals with Joel Embiid. So I have a hard time skipping a step with them. I don't know that I could look at them as championship or bust. I don't know that we look at teams around the NFL, like just comparatively. Mm -hmm. If the Buffalo Bills, which with your guy Josh Allen, got to the Super Bowl and lost, unbelievably successful season. I would argue even if Lamar and the Ravens got to the Super Bowl despite the number one seed and lost, still a very successful season. Yeah. If the Dallas Cowboys got to a conference championship game, which they hadn't in forever, a great season. The Niners have to win a Super Bowl. They've been there, right? Niners have to win a Super Bowl. I agree. Celtics have to win it all. Bucks, who we'll get to in a second, have to win it all. I think your Sixers have to get to the conference finals. Conference finals uh, or bust for me also. There, you, can't, you can't skip a step, especially when, honestly, you're kind of in a rebuild year. Not, not a rebuild, a, re- a retool year, right? Because you trade James Harden basically just for spare parts. Now, they've done a nice job making all those spare parts work. Joel Embiid is having one of the great individual scoring seasons. What did you call it? A retool year? A retool year. I don't think you can call it that yet. Why? They're, they're... On February 9th, you can call it that. Let's see what they do by the trade deadline because a lot of this was, can we upgrade James Harden by getting expiring contracts to then get a better player? They knew that Daryl Morey, their team president and general manager, knew he could not upgrade James Harden's talent by trading James Harden for someone that would be better than him. His risk was, let me trade him for guys that have favorable contracts that other teams may want in addition to picks in order to upgrade the James Harden talent. So it's going to ultimately be, let's call it a one-for-one trade. There's just going to be about four or five other people involved with it by the time we get there. Yeah, I think that's right, and they should do something in the trade. No, it is right. You don't have to think about it. There there should be... We should. We should pin that. (laughs) Who might the Sixers then target between now and the trade deadline to make them a little bit more attractive to you as a playoff team. The, the, the team that I have circled is the Chicago Bulls. It's DeMar DeRozan for me. It's DeMar DeRozan for you. It's, it's Alex Caruso for me. Yeah, well, it could be both. Though, that would be really, really interesting because there's probably a way to pull it off to be able to, for the Sixers to keep Tobias Harris, which I think would be super attractive. He's having a really, really good season. Part of me, though, does wonder. Like The Sixers, like what they have going now is, is really good. They have as good a chemistry as any Sixers team that I have seen in, in quite some time. And the net loss of James Harden has been a net positive for the team because this team is now more than the sum of their parts, whereas before it was clearly the opposite. You've gotten a lot of career years out of people. We've seen the ball have a lot more energy. They're playing a lot faster, more willing passers, all the things. I do think that they'll upgrade, but there's also a chance that they'll say to themselves, we can be a max cap team next summer. We'll do the best we can with this group that we have shoot our shot, maybe we do get to the conference finals and then be the most attractive team in the NBA for free agents in the summer. There are no free agents for next summer. So it would be taking in somebody by way of trade. That there, way too. There's nobody for them that would there, make sense. I mean, there rarely are. But you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So I think when you, like, my favorite version of Joel Embiid, even before last year, was the version of Joel Embiid during the time in which Ben Simmons was not playing. James Harden was not on the team yet. And it was Seth Curry. And it was that team, the first part of that team a few years ago, we may look at this guy and say he may be one of these players that is better off with developing stars, not a developed star. Hmm. That when you're looking around, or maybe somebody that understands their role, like a like a DeRozan, like 
the concept of getting a star in their prime, I think you have to be very specific. Who is the person that makes sense where he can still be this version of himself and empower others and have more of a balanced team with all of these guys knowing their roles around him? You bring up the Bulls. DeMar DeRozan's at 28.6, and I believe Caruso, let me just double-check here, is around 9 or so in terms of, yeah, 9.4, right? So the, if you look at the Sixers in terms of expiring contracts, mm-hmm. they have an enormous amount, even if you leave Tobias Harris out. Marcus Morris is at 17. Nicholas Batum, who I'm going to assume they want to keep, at 11.7. Robert Covington at 11, so on and so forth. They can make moves. What they, I think, can decide is – do you want to make moves to both get better now and to maintain the cap flexibility in the offseason? Which is why DeMar DeRozan is a fascinating case because he is a free agent at the end of the year. You do not commit to anything long term. You would have to give up draft capital, obviously, to get him. Or something that is not talked about enough. Are you willing to take on bad money to get good players and not give up draft capital? Hmm. Are you willing to take on Lonzo Ball, who may never, unfortunately, play basketball again? Are you willing to take on Zach Levine? No. Now, okay, so not far, Zach Levine. Right, but so you like you in theory want the Rose. You would take the Rosen, correct? Yes, I think he would have. I think he would be a very effective add-on because of the Sixers' shot-making issues in clutch time. And there's that. That's the one thing that he can do. And right now, the Sixers don't have that guy in those moments. Right. So in order to make that, if you want both of those and DeRozan and Caruso, you're going to have to give up at least three of your expiring contract. So Morris and Covington are easy. And then the question becomes, are you willing to give up a tomb? You probably deal with it obviously in that spot and you just, whatever it, it happens, right? Sure. The question also becomes as to how much you want to then give up in terms of draft capital, because you would have to in that spot. Right. Cause you have to ask yourself, are these, are these change your destiny players? Cause right now I, I view the Sixers as a team that I wouldn't say are likely to get to the conference finals, but I, I could certainly see it. I can certainly see that path, and it's fairly clear. What, what, well, do it this way. Do it this way sure. very quickly. If, I, if it's Marcus Morris, Nicholas Batum, and Robert Covington for DeMar DeRozan and Alex Caruso, you have to give up at least two first-rounders. You do, yeah. Maybe a swap. Caruso is very attractive to teams out there. Now, your closing five in that scenario for, for Philadelphia becomes Tyrese Maxey, Alex Caruso, DeMar DeRozan, Tobias Harris, and Joel Embiid. Mm. That is an excellent team. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent team. But even so, they're probably still not the Celtics, right? And I am not confident they'd beat the Heat in the playoffs. N- neither am I. That, that's the math that Daryl Morey has to do. Uh, DeMar DeRozan is also, parenthetically, sort of the very opposite of the kind of, pl- the kind of player that Daryl Morey has pursued over the years because he's not like a layups and threes guy. He's the very opposite. Like He lives in the mid-range. And while I think there's still some value in that, especially when you shoot it as effectively as DeMar DeRozan does, I'm not sure that that math will add up for Daryl Morey. So that's, that's, there's a lot to consider, but the Bills, are, I think, are the most interesting team at the trade deadline, and I'm fascinated from an asset management standpoint what Daryl Morey will look to do because I'm not sure that that collection of players increases your uh, championship probability enough to actually give up those first round. I picks. do not think the Bulls are the most interesting team at the deadline. Who is? I think that the Atlanta Hawks become the most interesting team at the deadline because huh. I think when you look at what they're doing here, DeJounte Murray, there's all kinds of rumors about the Lakers. I have always been high on DeAndre Hunter when healthy. I understand he's not healthy, not a great contract necessarily. At some point, uh, Aneka Okongu, who they just gave a contract extension their center, who doesn't actually play that much, has to play, right? Right, And Clint Capella could then be available. I think you're looking at an entire Hawks roster where they have countless pieces, Sadiq Bey, that potentially could go somewhere else. Did you mention Trey Young? I'm not ready to do that yet. I do think that that is a consideration because if they are going to trade DeJounte Murray, then the thought is let's try this one more time with 
Quinn Snyder's direction instead of in- Quinn Snyder inheriting this situation. Let's see what he wants to do. They have, they have discovered Jalen Johnson, who was a first-round pick. Duke did not have a big college career uh, for whatever reason. has been excellent for them. But they have guys, ironically, uh, Adrian Griffin's son, AJ, who was a lottery pick who never plays for them. But I think that there's a whole other wave of guys there that they may just say, let's get rid of this top level, mm-hmm. bring up the bottom or the next level, and let them play and see what they can do. But I think Atlanta becomes the most interesting team. So the Sixers are probably the most notable, I'll call them buyer in the Eastern Conference. I think, I think the equivalent in the West is going to be the Lakers, right? I think, that, I think the Lakers are going to be as all-in as they can possibly be given their lack of assets. Do you view DeJounte Murray a better fit with the Lakers? Or do you view Zach Levine a much better, I perceive to be a better offensive player as the fit with the Lakers, given their offensive issues? Okay, so here's the thing about the Lakers. When you think about that hypothetical you just gave up, or you just brought up. So the Lakers, in terms of DeJounte Murray, would be likely D'Angelo Russell and a first-round pick Mm -hmm. is where probably the majority of that deal comes from, meaning it is not coming from Austin Reeves. But ultimately, when push comes to shove, you may have to make that move. So... If you look at it, um, D'Angelo Russell makes $17 million and DeJounte Murray makes $18 million, right? And you add a first-round pick there, that deal can potentially get done. Obviously, you need draft capital in the mix. You could get both. That's where I think that people are, are, are you do. not— You think they can get both? I, well, they can, theoretically, but do you want to, right? Do you want both guys? See, I think Zach Levine is actually the kind of player— Despite the contract, how bad it is, I think he's the exact kind of player that LeBron will get the most out of. Yeah, I do too. I think it's I don't think fan. anyone would. I think LeBron would. And I am not like a, the biggest LeBron guy, right? I just think that, that the Los Angeles Lakers have an ability because if you look at it and you put, I'm just doing this quickly here on the trade machine, which I could do all day and bore everybody to death, um, but you put Rui Hachimura in there, you would probably have to then trade Gabe Vincent in the mix. And, you know, you're getting to a point there. You probably even have to have more than that. Maybe D'Angelo Russell, whatever it is. There's a way for you to do the math to get potentially all of these guys if you are willing to give up Austin Reeves. Would you be willing to give up Austin Reeves? Yeah, so if you're telling me my lineup, if I'm the Lakers, is DeJounte Murray, Zach Levine, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and a fifth. And that fifth could be a myriad of different players. It could be Jared Vanderbilt if he is still there. It could be Torian Prince if he is still there. If they want to go really big and put Christian Wood or, Cam, uh, or Jackson Hayes, Cam Reddish. It's not going to be the deepest team, but you're banking on our four are better than your Can four. Can I ask one stupid question? Sure. Who's coaching the team? I think Darvin Ham's much better than you're giving him credit for. You do? Well, yeah, I don't think they're going to pull the trigger on Darvin Ham. Do you? I would not be stunned. I would not be stunned if it happened, because if LeBron James wakes up one day and decides he wants it to, then it will. Okay, you presented the problem. Give me the solution. Who's coaching the team? No, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I don't think they should fire him, but I'm telling you that LeBron James, in his infinite wisdom, might wake up one day and decide that Darvin Ham is not the best person to win me another championship. Okay, so in that scenario, let's talk about the most ridiculous thing that's ever happened in sports, which will never happen. We are sitting here talking about Doc Rivers coaching the Milwaukee Bucks and saying we're not sure if he's going to get them over the hump. And we have said, well... If that's not the answer, who is? Darvin Ham is a former Bucks assistant that won a championship under Mike Budenholzer. Doesn't Darvin Ham in Milwaukee and Doc Rivers with the Lakers make more sense for everybody involved? Yeah, who says no? No, I'm, be- I'm being dead serious. I right like now. it. Like someone, I like it. Where is Jimmy Sexton, the agent to all of the head coaches in football? Someone needs to figure out and say, Darvin, you go coach the Bucks. You're exactly what they need. Doc, coach the Lakers. You're out there in LA. The- LeBron would love having you. That is actually what should happen and right somehow, now. somehow, John Calipari will get a raise out of this. Where did that just come from? He just always gets a raise anytime a coach gets hired. 
I love Mel Ott. It's Grainy on ESPN Radio. <laughs> for the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Greeny, the podcast. Josh Allen, per Hembo, greatest player to ever live. It is Greeny here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Hembo, you and I have been arguing. Evan Cohen in for Greeny. Did I say that already? I think I may have. Um, you and I have been arguing about Josh Allen's place within the sport for months now. Literally since I personally started at ESPN in September and we met. We're very good friends. We've never had a meal together. Never done anything outside of work together. I, I don't take umbrage with that, but you seem to. It's not that. We haven't. Like, I actually think we are friends. We are friends. But we haven't done anything that would merit. I mean, the- you can't set the guidelines for what friends are, then say you're friends. No, I'm, get- I'm getting there. You have a really worry. high bar to clear. Don't worry about it. I'm getting there. The point is we don't. There's a point of this, but let me just go. Um, the point is we don't have the top line of the friend resume. When you're friends, you're going out to lunch. You have interactions. We're both married. We haven't gotten together with our spouses. We haven't done anything. Hey, you know, you're available at this time, that time. We've done nothing, nothing to indicate our friendship. So are we... So we don't fr- have the top line of resume. We have a lot of other stuff. So we're friendly. Yeah. And, and kind of like a quarterback that you're going to say is a great player. Needs to have an MVP, maybe a spot at one point, an appearance in the Super Bowl. Doesn't have the top line of the resume, right? Got to get over that little hump. Josh Allen, very good at his job. Nobody's doubting that. Doesn't have the top line of his resume. No, he, uh, he does not. And Wait a second. I got to stop you here. I'm sorry. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski has reported that Doc Rivers is finalizing an agreement to become the next head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. Sources tell ESPN the Bucks are getting the coach they targeted over the past 24 hours. Doc Rivers, Bucks is happening. Adrian Wojnarowski broke the news yesterday about Adrian Griffin fired by Milwaukee and that their intent was to go after Doc Rivers. They are now going to get Doc Rivers finalizing an agreement to become the next head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. This is the fifth stop for Doc Rivers. He started in Orlando, went to Boston, won a title, went to the Clippers, then to Philadelphia, now to Milwaukee. This is also, if I'm not mistaken, the fifth full-time coach 
for Giannis Antetokounmpo as he started with Larry Drew, then had Jason Kidd, then Mike Budenholzer, then Adrian Griffin for 43 games, and now Doc Rivers. So Giannis's fifth full-time coach, Doc's fifth full-time job, they are going to be paired together. Doc Rivers, Marquette star, going back to Milwaukee to become the head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. So I think they made the right decision in punting on the Adrian Griffin experience after 43 games because if it's obvious that it's not going to work, then there is no reason to double down on a bad decision. And I think that takes more courage than, than the opposite. Right? I don't think that it's a, a lack of conviction. I think it's an admission of failure, and that's a good thing. That's something that we should do more of. However, I'm a fan of the Philadelphia 76ers, and in all candor, the quality in coaching that I saw last year to this year is hilariously different. The Sixers are a much better coach team this year with Nick Nurse, and Doc Rivers is a much better broadcaster than he is a coach. That is my humble opinion. That being said, this is probably the best that you could do at this juncture, given the fact that you have one of the top 25 players of all time in Giannis, a, and a, probably one of the top 100 players of all time in Damian Lillard, both in their prime, at least. I still believe Damian Lillard is in the tail end of his prime. You're just not going to do better than Doc Rivers at this juncture. So it's probably worth the swing, even though I think in the long run, it's probably going to wind up the same that it always does, which is Doc Rivers underperforming in the playoffs and blowing some lead before his team should lose it. And he's not going to be on any kind of hot seat like he was in Philadelphia. For sure. Regardless of result this year, they could literally lose in the first round to Miami, get swept by somebody again, theoretically, and or anybody out there. They could get swept in the first round, and there is going to be nothing that happens to Doc Rivers. Uh, there's going to be nothing that happens to Doc Rivers. So right now, I'm, and I am, I'm curious, by the way, because we don't see these details yet. I'm sure Woj will have them as, as soon as possible. How many years and how for, for how much? The reason I throw that out there is because of the fact that they are currently paying two additional coaches. They are paying Mike Budenholzer and they are paying Adrian Griffin. My guesstimation is I could be wrong. We can look this up. You're the person to do that um, with your amazing research ability, Hembo. I would guess they are paying head coaches who are not coaching them this year $20 million a year. And they don't kind of get the salary cap, so no one no, cares. No, but I'm saying with, before you even enter into Doc, $20 million a year all in for coaches. That's a sign. No, no, I'm sorry. Way. No, I'm sorry. Not $20 million. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Probably 10 to $15 million. I got that wrong. 10 to $15 million a year. I think Budenholzer is somewhere around eight. That sounds right. And that's, I don't know where Griffin is. I'll look this stuff up in the next break because I think that's, that's also, like, by the way, like a, a sign of, of ownership strength that we're willing to swallow a cost, uh, a sunk cost, and, I don't, and rather than, again, rather than double down. I'm looking right now at my ESPN bet app, and I'm very curious where you'll land here. So right now I'm looking at the best odds to win the Eastern Conference. The Celtics are plus 135. The Bucks are plus 215. The Sixers plus 485. And the Miami Heat are a 14-1 to 1 bet to win the Eastern Conference. It's easy. What's easy? If you're making a bet, you're betting on Miami. You're betting on Miami at 14 to 1. At those right? odds? You got to, right? Yeah. See, that's the thing. Like when, ha- when this happened yesterday, when these, new, when these kinds of things happen, I always ask myself, like, what, what that just happened might trigger a bet. And I went, to, I went to that exact place on my ESPN bet app, and I saw the Heat at 14 to 1, and I took it because of the Terry Rozier trade. That's the team still. That's the team still. They are always undervalued. A great value. And there's more moves to be had. Miami can still make more moves. They are also below the second apron now, which matters. They Keep an eye on – I'm not reporting anything, obviously, but what I'm saying to you is keep an eye on Caleb Martin, who's a great player, great role player. He's a free agent, can be at the end of the year, declining his player option. I want to say it's 7.1 or something like that for next year. He'll decline that option. I'll get probably you know in the mid-level 12 to 15 range. And if Miami doesn't believe they can re-sign him – 
he is somebody that has value elsewhere to go and trade him somewhere else. Yeah. Would they want him on their team sure. all year? Absolutely. So it's, in the last four years, it's two Eastern Conference championships, a loss in Game 7 of a series in the Eastern Conference Finals that they very well could have won with a shot in the air. This team's a lot better than they were last year, in my opinion, because they have Tyler Hero. They have Terry Rozier now, who's a clear upgrade over uh, Kyle Lowry. And I think Jaime Hawkes well, is a clear upgrade over Gabe Vincent. One. Right? Like, these are all things that are true. I wouldn't compare that that way, but yes. As I'm just looking at ins and outs of the roster, yeah. right? Yeah. They also have the best coach. They've got the best coach, and they're a 14-1 to bet right now to win the East. If you're telling me they're going to make another move, I think that's a really good value. And I'm not the suggesting they're making another move for an all-star. But I'm suggesting that the roster they have right now is not necessarily going to be the roster they have on February 9th. That's what I'm saying. I'm and not I, saying that, that it's going to be Donovan Mitchell that's coming there. And, I don't yeah. think he's going anywhere. And, and I think the Bucks at plus 215 are being overvalued in the market. Do you agree with that too? Well, I think that Doc Rivers is such an, an elite name. Doc Rivers is known as such a great guy. Doc Rivers is easy in theory to root for and assume that he's going to be good. But I will go back to what I just said. Can you sit here and in my absurd, unreasonable, reckless speculation hypothetical – and say that if I put Darvin Ham as the coach of the Bucks and Doc Rivers as the coach of the Lakers, both franchises aren't better off. That is what makes the most sense. Do you think Darvin Ham was there when they won a championship under Mike Budenholzer? What the issue is, the defense now with Milwaukee is not where it needs to be. And if you have a Mike Budenholzer disciple, so to speak, an assistant in Darvin Ham, getting them back to that place would have been amazing. That is not happening. But my point is, Doc Rivers doesn't arrive and fix everything. But what Doc Rivers may do is put the chip on Giannis's shoulder of, this is my fault. I was the one who asked for this guy. And until they got rid of him, it actually became his fault because I told them he can't do it. Now it's on me. And I think that Giannis is going to be playing like a madman the rest of the season yeah, if I had to He bet. has been on one. I think what Doc Rivers will do is reduce the amount of turbulence. That, that's what he will do. What just happened? <laughs> I just keep hitting stuff. I keep hitting stuff for some reason. It's not obvious why I keep doing this. But I think that's what Doc Rivers can do. I think he can steady the ship. But what Doc Rivers can't do, or at least what I don't have any reason to believe that Doc Rivers can do, is finesse a way for his team to win a close game six or seven against a team with an equal or superior coach. But again, to go from where they were with Griffin to Doc, it's obviously still the right thing to do, even if Doc is not the answer. All right, so let's play this out, okay? Let's play this out. Give me the teams in the Eastern Conference that you could see outside of Milwaukee somehow, some way, ending up in the Eastern Conference Finals? Just give me one by one. Boston. Okay. Is Doc a better coach than Joe Missoula? That's a good question. Okay, so let's say we don't know. Let's, say, okay. let's call that a wash. Okay. Give me, keep going. Philly. Is Doc a better coach than Nick Nurse? Uh, he's not. Okay. Keep going. Miami. We know the answer. He's not a better <laughs> coach than Spoke. Uh, the Knicks. Is he a better coach than Tibbs? He is not. Tibbs was his defensive coordinator, in essence, when he was t- with him in Boston. I would argue that. I would, say be- I would say closer to a wash than he's not for me. Any other team? Cleveland. Okay. J.B. Bickerstaff. That's a wash. Wow, you are down on Doc. I'm down on Doc, but I am a jaded. I'm a jaded Sixers fan. Right. But what we're saying here is in the Eastern Conference Finals, Milwaukee will not have the better coach than anyone they hypothetically could play. One more. Uh, Indiana. Well, then no. Carlisle's better. Totally agree. Right. So they do have the best player, arguably, in any of those series. They do not have the best coach. When you think about the possibility of having the best player and the best coach in an Eastern Conference Finals, Miami has the best chance at having both, as crazy as that sounds. Right? Because I'm not suggesting that Jimmy Butler is better than Joel Embiid. 
I am suggesting that Jimmy Butler is better than Joel Embiid in the Eastern Conference Finals. You know how? He has been. I've seen him. Me too. I haven't seen Joel there. Now, if Joel gets there, I'm going to assume he could be dominant in that moment. But, but the other counter is, who knows if Miami actually gets there, right? Boston very easily could have the best player in the Eastern Conference Finals and maybe the best coach, but maybe not. The thing that we are getting back to here is that you are very uncomfortable as admittedly a jaded Sixers fan even going to the place that Doc Rivers could provide you the best possible coach in the biggest possible moments. That's where I land because I've seen the difference in my team from uh, last year to this year. Do you know how many times that Doc has coached a team in the playoffs that at one point— Well, Philly very easily could have both. Nick Nurse and and Joel Embiid could easily be the best coach and best player in that that series, but we have never seen Joel Embiid in that series. For sure, or or Nurse in the playoffs with Philly. Do you know how many times that Doc has had a team with a series lead in the playoffs and wound up blowing it? It's insane. It's 12 times. Over four teams. Over four teams. The Magic did it once. The Celtics, the Clippers, and the Sixers. That's unbelievable. I've seen it. Like, Doc is... Doc is a Meaning it's more likely to happen than not happen, actually. And, and, I mean, I I could go through the series prices here, but in many of those cases, let's be honest, he's had the better team. And in some of those cases, he's had the best player, too. The, The way that the Sixers collapsed last year and the way that the Sixers collapsed against Atlanta is something that I will just never forget in my life. And we can point the blame at Ben Simmons for the Atlanta series, but that was the only reason that Doc was able to save his job coming out of that, in my opinion. Again, you're comparing Doc to Adrian Griffin, which is a whole different, sub, a whole different conversation. That's the one that we need to have, because that was their choice. Like, it was Adrian Griffin or Doc, which was the best choice. But Doc Rivers isn't anywhere close to being, you know, equal to some of those teams that we just went through. I really am curious about the contract, because I keep going through this in my mind. Doc, is Doc going to come out of the booth and coach... If he doesn't have a multi-year deal? The answer is probably no, right? Probably no. Unless. It's an absurd amount of money. If I'm Milwaukee, there's a chance I am overpaying for Doc on a one-year deal. And hey, if you, if you kick butt, you have now set your market price. We're going to pay you $10 million for half a season. So now you're going to come back to us next year and say you're worth $20 million, which they're not going to give him. You get my point. Because I need to know he can do this with this group and... I don't want to necessarily have to fire him and have another coach that I'm going to pay for. But I do wonder if there is a one-year rest of the season help us out here overpay. It's way more likely than not we are going to learn by Adrian Wojnarowski moments from now that he signed anywhere from a three- to a five-year deal. I think it's exceedingly unlikely that Doc Rivers would leave what he's doing to coach the Bucks on a one-year deal. He is still only 62 years old. He's basically spent his entire life in basketball, as we know. I don't think that Doc would make that decision if he didn't make it, at least in some sense, for the medium or long term. Because if that job was available this offseason and he took it, he certainly wouldn't accept a one-year deal in that case, would he not? No, but the offseason's different. How so? The offseason is different because this is his team. He's developing the roster. He's in on all this. Because, you know, there's going to be conversation, if this does not work out this year, about was Dame the right move? Should Giannis not have re-signed? They are setting up for extreme success and extreme failure. Let's live in this world. Let's live in B. Let's live in the world of B, which is which was what? I don't extreme know. failure. Okay. That was your binary, and I played the game. So let's say we're in the Eastern. You're too smart for me. You have I'm, to dumb it am, down a little No, 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 no. I am not too smart for you. So let's say in, in the Eastern Conference semifinal, right, the Bucks are up three games to two against fill-in-the-blank team. By the way, I want to point this out. For those who can't see on the, on the ESPN app and, and the TV side, He is smiling at the concept of Doc up in his series with a chance to blow the series. It's just an an opportunity for me to make money. So 
when, when that happens, when that inevitably happens and the Bucks lose in the conference semifinals, what conversation are we having on all the national shows the very next day? Right. We are waking up at 6 a.m. Eastern on Sportsmanlike with uh, Chris Canty, Michelle Swalman, and I, Evan Cohn. And we are talking about the fact that the Milwaukee Bucks fired Mike Budenholzer because Giannis didn't want him. They hired Adrian Griffin, who Giannis wanted and then didn't want. Hired a coach who's most known for what happened last night in this hypothetical. And now what are they going to do? So that's my question to you. Who's, is this going to be the, the oh, Doc Rivers does it again? Or is it going to be Giannis is a coach killer? Giannis is a team killer, etc.? I don't think you could say that because he won a championship, right? And now Doc won a championship too. But uh, CC this morning, Canty expi- uh, made the comparison of he's almost Mike McCarthy-like and living off of a title from so long ago. The difference is Mike McCarthy's title is in 2010. Doc's title is in 2008. Right. Like at some it's point, deeper into the past. At some point, that's desanitized. Like at some point, that doesn't. That doesn't. That's so. That's a generation ago. Like the, the, yes, that, but it changes the mindset because where we started this conversation before Woj's breaking news that Doc is final. Doc Rivers is finalizing an agreement to uh, be the coach of the Bucks. Where we started this conversation before this applies to this, which was Josh Allen. If Josh Allen won a title a decade ago, we would look at him completely differently. Because you would have the top line on your resume, everything that follows is trying to live up to that and not get that for the first time. So if you're a champion, basically everything else that you do from then on out, we're viewing through that prism, through that lens. It's, it's not that. It's just that there's not something that's missing like there is in the case of Josh Allen. But a coach can – I mean, this, Doc Rivers could coach for 40 years, and if he has a, a title with that, with, that, with that trio in the middle of it, like that shouldn't color everything that happens – before and after. It just shouldn't. It does, though. Doc Rivers, again, finalizing a deal to become the Milwaukee Bucks head coach. Coming up, we will dive back into that Josh Allen conversation. Hembo and I really get along on this. We really see eye-to-eye on all of the angles around Josh Allen. It is Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance on ESPN Radio. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this, too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Greeny, the podcast. It is Greeny on ESPN Radio, along with Hembo. Evan Cohen in for Greeny today. The breaking news just coming across. Bucks to hire Doc Rivers as their head coach. Adrian Wojnarowski, of course, the first to report on the firing of Adrian Griffin yesterday, the hiring of Doc Rivers today. All right, Hembo, we have started a conversation, well, we started it months ago, about Josh Allen. And... I believe, and I have said, that I believe that Josh Allen is the most polarizing player in the NFL right now, which is just a remarkable thing to say, considering we live in a world where Aaron Rodgers and Dak Prescott are active players in the league. But Josh Allen has become the most polarizing player because those who defend him do it in such a glorious way, and those who detract from his greatness do it the same way. Greg Olson has done such a good job on Fox with Kevin Burkhardt. I think they're great on their broadcast. Was on with Pat McAfee yesterday here on ESPN and had this to say about Josh Allen. 
Think about the conversation right now with Josh Allen. I don't care what Josh Allen's playoff record is. If you have a brain and you watch that game the other night and you come across from that game that, oh man, Josh Allen can't get over the hump. Josh Allen's owned by... You should have no... You should not be speaking on the matter. If you didn't watch that game and come across and say, Josh Allen is incredible. That record is not indicative of Josh... The guy's insane. The guy's amazing. Yeah, Mahomes... But Mahomes is also insane and amazing. But like, we want to pin the losses on Josh Allen, but we don't want to give the wins to Purdy. It it just becomes a very (laughs) slippery slope. As we look ahead to championship weekend this weekend, ESPN Radio, of course, has playoff preview with the pros this Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern. Canty, Harry Douglas, and more as we are Greeny coming to you live above the Heineken River Deck at Pier 17. Josh Allen's not in championship weekend that we're previewing. He's not, he's not a part of it. And I understand there are people like yourself that probably will not apply team win-loss to quarterbacks. I get that, okay? I understand that. But at some point, Josh Allen cannot be looked at in the same exact light as Lamar Jackson, as Patrick Mahomes, as other quarterbacks that have the top line on the resume. What do I mean? A quarterback that is great, that has an ability to compare themselves to other great players. This is not a, hey, bro, you think Trent Dilfer is better than Marino because he won a Super Bowl? No, I do not. But I think when we're going to compare Marino and Elway, if somebody wants to say Elway has Super Bowls and Marino does not, I'm cool with that. We have put Allen on this pedestal that, in my opinion, he should not be on and winning an MVP regular season or a Super Bowl, getting to a Super Bowl postseason, needs to be the top line of it when you're that good. I have, I have broken down the quarterbacks this way, at Evco Radio, EVCO Radio on Twitter. Here's how I've done it. And I'm sure you're going to fight me off and tell me this is wrong, Hembo, but here we go. There's a category of done it all. That's Mahomes. Done almost all. Lamar Jackson. Had a chance to do it. Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts. Previously did it all. Not equating these three guys, but Rodgers, Stafford, and Russ. Need something more. Josh Allen, Trevor Lawrence, Dak Prescott, Justin Herbert, Brock Purdy. Five guys. Those, to me, are his peers. Too young in their careers to judge. C.J. Stroud and Jordan Love. And then, should they be mentioned, Jared Goff, Kirk Cousins, and Tua. That is where I list Josh Allen. So the only object, the primary objection that I have to this breakdown, which I actually do like, I like the concept, is the differentiation between Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. So... How many playoff games have Lamar Jackson's teams won? I believe two now. How many have Josh's won? Five, I want to say. Yeah. So I understand that Lamar Jackson, after this regular season, will have two MVP awards, which at his age is unprecedented in the history of pro football. Means you're a Hall of Famer. And I agree with that. Lamar Jackson is a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Josh Allen, though, over the last four years, aside from Patrick Mahomes, who is an immortal, has been the most individually outstanding quarterback in the NFL. He's got 23 more touchdowns, 23 more touchdowns than any quarterback in the NFL over a four-year span. He has been utterly magnificent. Mm-hmm. All right, there have been three times his teams have been eliminated by the Chiefs in the playoffs. In those three playoff runs, he's got 22 touchdowns and one turnover. So I totally agree with your setup. We don't pin wins and losses to quarterbacks the way that we used to because we're smarter. At the same time, Lamar Jackson in his playoff resume, is not close to what Josh Allen has accomplished. So to me, those guys are actually on much closer footing than you're permitting. Okay, so if it's much closer in terms of playoff resume, I would look at it and say that because of the regular season times two, level of accomplishment is greater for Lamar Jackson than it is for Josh Allen. And 
The other thing is you're specifically propping up Mahomes, as you should do, to point out, look at who he's lost. Right. Well, okay, great. I'm glad you did that. Let's talk about great individuals within team sports. Every great individual within team sports has been beaten. Every one of them. During the Tom Brady era of the NFL, Peyton Manning won a Super Bowl, Ben Roethlisberger won a Super Bowl, Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl, Mark Sanchez went to the AFC Championship game twice. That's just in the AFC. During the Patrick Mahomes era, Tom Brady won a Super Bowl over Patrick Mahomes. Joe Burrow beat him in the postseason as well. Okay? During Michael Jordan's run in the NBA, the Detroit Pistons beat him on the front end. Right? Mm-hmm. He didn't play in the middle. The, the Rockets won. LeBron went to the NBA Finals, what, eight to ten times in a row, whatever it was. Warriors won. Spurs won. Right? Steph Curry has been to the Finals five times, six times, whatever it is. Raptors won. Cavs won. They're during, make it individual sports. During the peak of Tiger Woods' career, Phil Mickelson won a major, did he not? He did. Like, during the peak of Serena, Venus won, didn't she? There is no example of an iconic, great individual performer where someone else hasn't also won, including during the greatness of an underrated quarterback. Yeah, I said that, in Patrick Mahomes. Hold on, I'm just just double-checking that... uh... That Josh Allen hasn't retired since the last time I checked? Right. He's, and, and look, what was, what was the category that I put him in? What was the category that okay, I put him somewhere in? Somewhere super low here with no, Trevor Lawrence. This is not a ranking. This is just needs something more. Because he hasn't retired, I'm looking at the, those five guys, Josh Allen, Trevor Lawrence, Dak Prescott, Justin Herbert, Brock Purdy, as each of them is missing something. None of them have MVPs. None of them have a spot in the Super Bowl. Right. But this is the most dependent sport, and it's the most dependent position. Let's not kid ourselves. It's not as if Josh Allen has not done, done more than his share to have those things. Josh Allen's biggest but issue— But he does not have those things. He, but he does not have those things, period. And candidly, I don't think he played great on Sunday. I think he played merely good. And I think one of the reasons that he played merely good is because the offensive coordinator listened to you and people like you who said all they <laughs> need to do fault. is hand the ball off to make sure he doesn't turn it over. Josh Allen didn't turn the ball over. Yeah, and I don't like what they did late. And they lost the game. All game long. In the first half of that game, he had 14 completions. Nine of them were to tight ends and running backs. All game long, they were throwing the ball to tight ends and running backs. And then in the fourth quarter, they decided, let's go to the wide receivers. It was a silly game plan, I think. Right. They reverted back to what doesn't work. And that is relying too heavily on him. See, when you have him, I think you can rely as much on him as possible. And if you do that... You don't have to hand the ball off into the belly of a back 39 times, which they did in that game, which I think was a mistake. They played too conservatively in that game, in my oh opinion. Oh, my God. Because they have themselves Superman at they quarterback. They were in that game because of the conservative nature until the end that where they were not, not conservative. They were not, that's exactly what the Chiefs wanted them to do. They only gave them eight possessions. They fed right into the trap. They ran the ball effectively because Kansas City wanted them to. If they had thrown the ball 50 times in that game, they would have won that game. No chance. They would have won that game. They would have won that game they or won? won? They would have they done it. Uh, don't don't get us started on the lawn. Game. Oh, my God. That's I a whole other thing. Kanka Josh story. Allen should model his career after Mel Ott and everything would be fine. What about Dad Prescott? <laughs> it's Greeny on ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN, and also available wherever you get your podcast. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. 
Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.